Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. How's everyone doing tonight? Welcome to our Facebook live feed. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo with Faith Fellowship Church. Coming to you from my home in Taylorsville, Kentucky tonight again. Uh, hopefully we're going to start up our Wednesday night services in person. I'm not sure exactly when, but hopefully soon. Uh, I'm going to continue teaching my message on love tonight. And I'm going to call this Sincere Love Out of a Pure Heart. I want to start out in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to be reading uh, verses 3 through 6. I'll be reading in the Common English Bible, which is a unique translation, but I like it with some passages. And this is Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. He says, uh, When I left for Macedonia, I asked you to stay behind in Ephesus so that you could instruct certain individuals not to spread wrong teaching. They shouldn't pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. Their teaching only causes useless guessing games instead of faithfulness to God's way of doing things. The Message Bible says it like this. These teachers were introducing fantasy stories and fanciful family trees that digress into silliness instead of pulling the people back into the center, deepening faith and obedience. The goal of instruction in verse 5, it says, The goal of instruction, or the end of the commandment, this is the whole thing in a nutshell, Paul is saying. The goal of instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And then verse 6 says, because they missed this goal, some people have been distracted by talk that doesn't mean anything. The Message Bible says, those who fail to keep this point soon wander off into cul-de-sacs of gossip. I like that, cul-de-sacs of gossip. You know, a fantasy story is something that uh, incorporates myth and legend, uh, or it can just be a false statement or a false belief, something that you believe that's false. It's like a fairy tale. In either case, it's a fictitious tale at best. And that's what Paul was addressing here. Christians that wandered from the word of God, wandered from faith and love, and replaced it with fantasies that weren't true. Endless genealogies, family trees. And that's basically what a family tree is. It's an, a genealogy, or it's a tracing back of your ancestry. And that's a big thing today. Uh, I've done it myself one time. In, in a small way, I didn't go back too far, and I did it through a, a, a knowledgeable relative that knew a lot about our ancestry. But uh, we stopped as soon as we started seeing some crazy things in the family tree. So, But there's a lot of people doing it. We have Ancestry.com and DNA something or another, and uh, for a price, they'll trace your ancestry back and then send you a picture of your family tree. And uh, now there's nothing wrong with doing this. If you've done it or you're planning on doing it, that's fine. But where you go wrong is with the reason that you're doing it and what you do with the information after you get it. That's where you can get off track. 
And some people do it out of curiosity to have a good laugh like we did. And then we move on and go about our business. But for others, it causes problems because they really give heed to it. They pay attention to things in the past that they shouldn't be paying attention to. And they find out things that really bother them and, and raises more questions than, than answers. And it causes problems for them. And the thing about trees is that fruits and nuts grow in trees. And I'm sure that you'll find some in your family tree, just like I found in ours. And uh, the Apostle Paul said not to give heed or pay attention to these things. And he said, don't waste your time on such things, but rather spend your time on godly things that deepen your faith, deepen your love walk, your knowledge of the Word of God, your relationship with Christ. And, and uh, the, end, the end result is that he wants us to develop a better love walk, a stronger love walk. And Paul said, too, putting too much emphasis on natural descent or your ancestry is really foreign to Christianity because in Christ there really is no difference. You know, uh, I'm full-blooded Italian. My mother and father, my grandparents were, were both Italian. And uh, so I, I'm full-blooded Italian. I don't have any other uh, mix in me. But that's not the ancestry that I trace my roots back to anymore. Once I got born again... My ancestry traces back to Calvary and the cross where Christ shed his blood. And so I'm a Jew in the spirit now. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm proud of my heritage. I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of being an Italian. I could tell you some wonderful stories, but, <laughs> but I won't. But anyway, I'm not ashamed of being an Italian. I just don't put a whole lot of pride in going back and seeing my ancestors and that. I just want to go back to the day I got born again and, and accepted Christ into my life. That's my fam that's my new family tree. Uh, hallelujah. But, uh, you know, some do it out of curiosity, and that's fine. Uh, like I said, there's really nothing wrong with it. Uh, but another thing is that we have to be careful with a lot of the things that we spend our time on, you know, like social media and stuff, and uh, be careful uh, the things that we lit into our spirits, you know, your eyes and your ears are the gateways to your soul. Uh, and when you let certain things into your eyes and certain, certain things into your ears, it winds up in your souls and it's going to do something good or something bad. And so we have to be careful what we're spending our time on, what we're reading, what we're listening to, and uh, spend more time reading the word, more time in prayer. And this will help you rather than raise questions. It will give you answers that you're looking for. And I personally made it a policy myself to be very selective of the news that I listen to. I don't listen to just, uh, first of all, the only news I do listen to is Fox News. And uh, even with them, I'm careful and I'm selective about what I'm listening to because I'm careful what I'm putting into my spirit. And I made it a habit not to listen to or read anything about COVID-19 and especially pay any attention or give heed to any of the statistics. I believe they're untruthful, inflated, politically motivated, and meant to promote, to promote fear. And let me tell you, I felt a lot more peace since I quit paying attention to those things and the lies that are being pushed by the WHO and the CDC and the government and uh, especially the fake news media. You'll find yourself uh, a, a lot more peaceful, 
not, not so apprehensive, not so worrisome about everything that's going on if you're just careful about what you listen to. And so the Apostle Paul was saying that, and he's addressing the issues because there were people going around teaching false doctrines. And uh, they were trying to get, they, they were Judaizers that were trying to get the, the Jews, the Christian Jews, back into Judaism. And so they're telling uh, false doctrines, and Paul was kind of poking a little fun, calling them fantasy stories, you know. And that's actually what they were, is fairy tales, because... When you're trying to preach the gospel, but you're not preaching it from the Bible, then you're just uh, telling fantasies and fairy tales. We've got to stick to the word. But he said that some were tracing their genealogies back, looking into their family's trees, and it was leaving them more confused and with more questions than answers. And he's saying that we should be devoting our time to learning how to be a good Christian and our future as a follower of Christ rather than spending time with endless genealogies and the things in our past. And you know how Paul feels about the past. He says to leave it back there, let it stay there. He says, look forward, press forward uh, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so he don't want us looking back because it's not healthy for us to look back. There's nothing back there that you can change. There's nothing back there that you can do anything about. And uh, when you're looking back, you're not looking forward because you can't be looking in both places at the same time. And the time that you spend in the past is that much time less that you'll spend in the present. And it's not healthy for you. Yes, we have memories of things, but if they hold you back or pull you back, then you need to let them go. Leave those things in the past where they belong. And so the Apostle Paul knew more about being a follower of Christ than anybody else in the New Testament. He knew how a Christian should conduct their lives, how they should act, and he especially knew uh, things about uh, Christianity that none of the other disciples knew. Uh, Paul had tremendous revelation concerning uh, the things of Christ. He wrote like three-fourths three of the epistles, uh, which are the letters that were written to the churches, and he explained in detail the doctrines of Christ. And he was able to do so because the revelation that he had received, he received from Jesus himself. Uh, you know, he went, he, he, he went away for about three years and uh, nobody was sure what he was doing and, and, and uh, exactly where he was traveling to. I know it was somewhere in Asia, but uh, it was during that time that he spent time in the presence of Christ. I don't know if it was a vision, if he was caught up into the heaven uh, and and talk with him personally, but Christ taught Paul everything that he knew. And the Bible tells us that he was actually caught up into the third heaven. That's the highest heaven above us, and that's where God dwells. And he said he's seen unspeakable things. And it doesn't mean that he was forbidden to speak about the things that he saw. What he meant by saying unspeakable things was he didn't have words to describe them. And, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, some of the apostles and disciples seen and, and had glimpses of, like John, the, the revelator. Uh, he was actually caught up into heaven as well. And he was trying to describe things that he's seen in heaven. And a lot of people take him literally. But if you'll notice in his teachings, he's always saying, I seen something like unto a sardine stone, like unto a rainbow, like unto this. And he's trying to describe with mortal words something that he's seen in eternity, and he just didn't have the words for it. He did the best that he could. 
And so uh, Paul's seen unspeakable things the same way that John did, but Christ taught him personally, and then Paul wrote the things that he learned in the epistles. Uh, and if you've been listening to my preaching for, for a while now, uh, I don't think I ever preach a message without mentioning something about Paul, and that's because of the amount of revelation that Paul had that he gave to the church. And uh, he was taught things that the other disciples didn't have full understanding of, like redemption, righteousness, resurrection, and the new birth, just to name a few. And Paul was given a deeper revelation than all of the other disciples. They had revelation, but Paul was given like an x-ray view. He seen the ins and outs of each one of those revelations. And yet with all the revelation Paul had, he sums it all up for us right here in verse 5 when he says, the goal of instruction or the end of the commandment is this. In other words, he's saying, here it is in a nutshell. He says, love out of a pure heart. All of this boils down. The end of the commandment boils down to this, out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of sincere faith. That sums it all up. That's, that's the sum of all the things that he was talking about. In other words, with all the revelation that he had uh, about being a follower of Christ, he's telling us what it really means to be a Christian and what it really means to serve God. He's telling us what our goal as a Christian should be. And we should be loving out of a pure heart and of a good conscience or a clear conscience and out of sincere faith. So we have one commandment in the New Testament, and the Lord Jesus gave us that commandment. He said, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then in another place, he also says that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. That is the only New Testament commandment that we have. And, and, and Paul gives us three things here, and again, he called them the end of the commandment. In other words, he's given us a revelation about the new commandment that sums up everything that Jesus told us. He says the new commandment boils down to this. Number one, it is love out of a pure heart. Number two, it is having a good or a clear conscience. And then number three, it's having sincere faith. Sincere faith. And then Peter backs it up in 1 Peter 1.22 and he says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. And it kind of sounds like the same language that, language that Paul was using when he said pure, sincere, clear, love one another. And the opposite of sincere would be insincere. Uh, the opposite of pure would be impure and uh, it would be like hypocritical it would mean that you pretended to love someone it's a sham or it's a counterfeit love and it means to put on an appearance of something that you are not and that's what a hollywood actor does that's what he is he's a he's a pretender and they live in a fantasy world they pre pretend to be something that they're not to be somebody that they're not and most of them carry their acting rolls into the world and try to portray the character that they've been uh, playing, but they really have no grip on reality sometimes. And some other words to describe it would be artificial, fabricated, fake, or put on. 
And that's also why they shouldn't be criticizing our president or telling him what he should or shouldn't do because they're actors, they're pretenders. And, you know, there's enough hypocritical pretenders in the world. And, and uh, unfortunately, we have some in the church as well, in the body of Christ. But Christians should be sincere and they should be pure and they should be real. I mean, we shouldn't be any, there shouldn't be anything hypocritical or pretending about a Christian. I mean, there's enough of that in the world and we certainly don't need it in the church. But here Paul is, is dealing with some of this stuff throughout his epistles and he's trying to correct the body of Christ and correct Christians and telling them that we should be genuine, sincere, and pure and we should be real all the time. And, and you know, Peter said we should have sincere love out of a pure heart and a good conscience with sincere faith. Not pretend, not sham, not counterfeit, not artificial, not fake, not hypocritical. Uh, the world is full of hypocrisy and full of pretenders and fakes. And unfortunately, it's gotten into the church. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people at work and other places. And uh, when we get to talking about the Lord and stuff, I bring up the subject of church. I said, do you go to church? Have you ever gone to church? Where do you go? You know, uh, who have you been following? Things like that. And and you'd be surprised, you know, how many people tell you, well, I quit going to church years ago. And, and I say, well, why did you quit? Did something happen? He says, yeah. He says, you know, the church is full of hypocrites. And, and I've heard that more than once, you know, and uh, yeah, there's hypocrites in the church. There's there's good Christians, there's bad Christians, you know, but it's like anything else. There's good mechanics and bad mechanics and good doctors and bad doctors and good lawyers and bad lawyers. And, and there, there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. I certainly am not a perfect Christian. I hope to be one day when Jesus comes back, because the Bible says I'll be as he is. Uh, but until then, I'm just like everybody else. I'm just trying to do what's right. I'm just trying to make it. And, and trying to be sincere and, and love people out of a pure heart. But, uh, you know, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. And uh, so, yeah, you know, and I've heard jokes where they says, uh, well, you know, I got an answer for him. Tell him there's room for one more. So come on, you know, but uh, that ain't what they want to hear. I, I just tell them, yeah, there's hypocrites in the church, just like there is in every other profession. Uh, but that, that shouldn't be the reason you don't go to church. Uh, because you should be going to church to to follow Christ and and yeah you're going to run into all kinds of stuff and obstacles but keep your eye on the mark keep your eye on Christ and you'll be all right but you know the the world is full of pretenders and fakes and uh, like I said it's gotten into the church where uh, you know people pretend to love you know they uh, they'll love you you know out of one side of their mouth and talk about you out of the other side of, of their mouth you know and and, and Christians pretend to have faith and they talk faith and act faith. But uh, when they get home, they don't have an ounce of faith. And uh, a lot of Christians pretend to be more spiritual than they actually are. But, you know, that's all part of a family. Just if you look at your own family, you'll see all this stuff going on in your own family in different uh, levels and different degrees and different areas and things. But, you know, that's just part of being in a family. But if, if, you can, if you can't have sincere love for one another out of a pure heart and a good conscience, then you really can't call yourself a Christian. I mean, I know the truth hurts sometimes, but uh, we still have to tell it. 
Now, I, I'm going to take another direction here. It's going to seem like I'm getting off the subject, but I'm really not because I'll bring it right back to what we're talking about here. But in Romans 9.21, uh, verses, uh, Romans 9, verses 20 and 21, uh, Paul says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me this way? Hath not the powder, the potter power over the clay or the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? In other words, he's going to make two vessels out of the same lump of clay and he makes one to honor and one to dishonor. But you know what I've learned is it's not the vessel that makes it honorable or dishonorable. It's what's put into the vessel that determines whether or not it's going to be honorable or dishonorable. Remember, those vessels were made from the same lump of clay. He didn't change lumps or anything. He made both vessels out of the same lump of clay. So how could one be considered honorable and the other one dishonorable? And the only way that can be is if you consider what's put into them. They're not neither honorable or dishonorable until you fill them with something. And uh, let's say a potter makes two vessels from the same lump of clay. Uh, but he carefully and meticulously makes one vessel and he inlays it with gold and artistic carvings and he uh, puts a jeweled lid on the top of it. And then he makes another one, not so carefully, and very plain and simple. As a matter of fact, it has some visible defects in it, some nicks and stuff, no gold, no carvings, no jewel, no artwork at all, uh, just a plain lid, and it's actually pretty ugly. But he fills the one with a very rare and exotic perfume that sells for $10,000 an ounce. And on the, in the other one, he fills it with bacon grease and drippings from, the, from his cooking at the stove. So he made one honorable and one dishonorable based on the contents. And then he tells you that you can have one of them. Well, of course, we both know what, which one you pick. Uh, you pick the one that's beautiful, engraved, inlaid with gold and the jeweled top. But then you get it home and you lift the lid because you want to get a whiff of that expensive perfume and see what it actually smells like. But you find out it's filled with bacon grease. Come on, now you know that you assume the perfume was in the beautiful vessel. But why would he put worthless bacon grease in the beautiful vessel and the extravagant perfume in the ugly vessel. Why? Because they were his vessels and it was his choice. So what's the moral? Well, you're a vessel and it's your choice what you put into you. You're either gonna make yourself honorable or dishonorable, not by the way you look on the outside, not by the outward appearance, but by what you have on the inside. That's what's gonna make you valuable or invaluable, honorable or dishonorable. And it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. What matters is what's on the inside because it's what's in the vessel that makes it honorable or dishonorable. And, you know, we fall for outward appearances all the time. And then we, when we find out what's inside, we don't like it. And, and come on, ladies. I mean, you fall for the handsome jock, but when you get him home and lift the lid, you're not happy with what you see. And, and you're not happy with what you found. And it's no different with men. They go for the beautiful looking package, but it's ugly on the inside. And, and that's one of the reasons that marriages fail and relationships fail, 
uh, it's because we're fooled by outward appearances. We're attracted to outward appearances. And we fall for someone because they're handsome or they're beautiful. They're honorable on the outside. And then we find out later that they're filled with bacon grease and dishonor. And, and, and people appear to be Christians outwardly. And this is the point I'm getting to. You know, we appear to be Christians outwardly. Only problem is that you can't, you can pretend pretend to appear to be anything you want to be for a short time, just like an actor playing a role. But it doesn't change what's on the inside. The contents are still the same. And, you know, one of the things that we should strive for is to be the same person every day, not up or down, not in or out, not like a roller coaster at an amusement park. We should be steady. We should be the same. We shouldn't wear our feelings on our sleeve. We should walk in love all the time. People shouldn't be hiding from you because they're trying to figure out what kind of mood that you're in. They should know all the time that when they see you, they know that you love them. They know that you're going to be kind to them. Uh, you know, They know that you're going to be caring uh, and considerate. And it should be that way all the time. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not. And, you know, I, I'm like anybody else. I work on it on a constant basis. I, every day I work on it, you know. Uh, I haven't arrived yet. You haven't arrived yet. Even Paul said that he hadn't attained yet, but he was striving for it. He was he was steadily uh, uh, trying for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And, you know, there's just too many pretenders in the world, and we shouldn't be one of them in the church. And things usually aren't what they're portrayed to be, but like I said, it shouldn't be that way in the church. They shouldn't. You should be what you portray yourself to be. Your outward appearance should be a reflection of your inward appearance. And I'm telling you, when you get enough God in you, enough prayer in you, enough word in you, it's going to show on the outside. Moses spent some time in the presence of God and he come down from the mountain and he had to cover his face because he was glowing and it scared the people. You know, the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. So if you're full of joy all the time, and I can tell you've been in his presence. If you, uh, you know, I talked uh, a little bit Sunday, I guess it was before I got on Facebook Live. Uh, I guess it was during the offering, but I talked about crabby Christians. You know, since this COVID-19 thing, it seems like we got a lot of crabby Christians running around. And, and there shouldn't be crabby Christians. You should walk in love all the time. It didn't say that we're to love one another unless a COVID-19 breakout happens or something. No, we're to walk in love all the time. There shouldn't be no such thing as a crabby Christian. Amen. But uh, anyway, people are deceived by outward appearances. We're, we're attracted to them and, and we get deceived by them because it looks good on the outside. We want it. But you know, people can dress up the outside and appear to be something that they're not and yet have some really bad stuff on the inside. Uh, and you, you heard the saying, you can put lipstick on a pig, spray it with cologne, but it's still a pig. Amen. It'll jump in the first mud hole it can find. But what, what would you rather have? A beautiful container with something ugly in it or a simple container, container with something valuable in it? And now don't get me wrong, you can have both a beautiful container with something valuable inside as well. Uh, you know, I was blessed with my wife. I got a beautiful container and beautiful on the inside. So it is possible, but don't just get uh, attracted by the outward appearance. Uh, you know, with the world we live in, it's all about 
appearance, designer clothes and designer jewelry and uh, expensive makeup, flashy cars, extravagant home, boat, you know, all of that stuff. But, but what's on the inside is really what counts. You can wear a $500 pair of jeans and a Rolex watch, but that's not what makes you honorable. What's inside of you is going to determine whether you're honorable or not. And there's nothing wrong with $500 jeans. If that's what you want to spend your money on, that's up to you. Nothing wrong with a Rolex. Uh, I mean, I'm a Timex guy myself. Well, I used to be. Now I don't even have a watch because I got a phone with a clock on it. So, uh, you know, but if that's your bag, that's your thing, go for it. Enjoy it. But don't buy something because of the way it's packaged or because it seems to be attractive with a designer label on it or something like that because it doesn't always reflect what's on the inside. You might get it home and find yourself disappointed with it uh, because of what's on the inside of it. And it's not the vessel that counts, it's what's on the inside that makes us honorable. And it's the same way with God. He's not interested in outward appearances. Uh, when he was looking for a king for Israel, he said, I don't look on an outward appearance, I look on the heart of man. He looks on the inside. That's what determines who you are. That's what determines how valuable you are, whether you're honorable or dishonorable. Not anything on the outside, but everything that's on the inside. That's what makes you honorable and valuable to God. But anyway, getting back to the subject at hand, Paul said we're to have sincere love out of a pure heart with sincere faith. So in contrast, there's insincere or phony or pretended or hypocritical, unreal faith, unreal love, and, and you know, unreal Christians. And, and these two things are a disgrace to the churches, is what Paul is teaching here. Insincere faith and phony love is why a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with the church or with us, uh, especially our friends and relatives, because they know us so well. And we appear to be Christians outwardly, but we don't really have the goods on the inside and they know us better than anyone else and they can tell when we're being hypocrites. And that's one thing that turns people off more than anything else. You know, um, when I say be real, I mean be real. If you're going to be a hypocrite, be a hypocrite all the time. But if you're going to walk in sincere love and real faith, then walk in sincere love and real faith all the time. Amen. Uh, but we talk faith and love, but based on our behavior and their past experiences with us, seeing us lose our temper, seeing us tell an off-color joke, seeing us use a cuss word or, or, or something that uh, we shouldn't be doing, uh, it, it just turns them off. You know, we have to be real and we have to have the real goods when it comes to other people. Our faith and our love has to be real. It has to be sincere. It has to come out of a pure heart. And this is more important in our Christian walk than anything else. It's not what's on the outside that counts, but what's on the inside. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 in the New Living Translation, then I'm going to read verse 13. But he said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't have love or didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, I'd be annoying. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. 
If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Do you see the importance of walking in love? Uh, and, and after this, Paul explains what real love is and, and a few other things. But then in verse 13, he tells us that there are three things that will last forever. For all of eternity, three things. And that's faith, hope, and love. And then he emphasizes that the greatest of these is love. And he's talking about agape love, the, the kind of love we talked about before. It's the God kind of love. It's the it's the undeserving love. It's the uh, love that has no strings attached to it. It's the kind of love that God has for us. It's sincere love out of a pure heart. How many believe God has a pure heart? So everything that comes from God's heart is sincere. And this is the love that we're supposed to have and we're supposed to give to others. And that's why it was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost when we got born again. So when it comes to the people that God has placed in your life, whether they're friends or family members, brothers and sisters in Christ, or someone you met on the job, the greatest thing that you could ever do for them is to be genuine and be true and be real and show them that you really care for them and believe in them. And you know, when someone needs help and you know it, then you should help them. Uh, and you don't base your decision to help them on whether or not you like them or whether or not they could pay you back or, or whether or not they can do a favor for you someday. You help them because it's the right thing to do. And, and like I've been saying, love is a choice. You choose to love someone like this. And, and it has nothing to do with whether or not you like them. And if you love, you will give. You will give your time, your knowledge, your skills, your resources, and sometimes Yes, even your money. Uh, God does it for us. God did it for us. He does it for us on a daily basis. And, and we should do it for others if we're real Christians because we have God's love in our heart. But no matter how bad it gets, believe in them, have faith in them, believe the best about them. And don't believe everything that you hear about them and get caught up in that cul-de-sac of gossip. And, and then love them with a sincere uh, love out of a pure heart and you'll be surprised what it will do for a person and even when they do things that you don't approve of and you know are wrong you can still look at them and say well I don't agree what you're doing I think what you did is wrong but I still care about you and I still care what happens to you and I'm here for you if you need anything just let me know and, and, you know, no matter how messed up they are, tell them you're praying for them. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're believing that they're going to come out of this. Tell them that you believe they're going to make it. And then pat them on the back. Put a hand on their shoulder. Let them know that you're there for them. And I'm telling you, that would mean more for them than all the money in the world. More for them than you could ever imagine. I'm telling you, the most valuable things in my life are things that were either said to me or done for me. And no amount of money could replace those things. And this is what a church family should be about. This is what any family should be about, but especially a church family. Uh, you know that you can come to your church and know that you're really cared about and you're really loved. 
And, you know, especially with pastors, and I know there's pastors out there just like myself that could really tell some hair-raising stories about things that they've learned about their people in counseling or other uh, ways. You know, people come up to you and say, Pastor, I need some counseling. I did such and such. And, you know, you're trying to keep a straight face and trying to not look too shocked or surprised at what they just told you. Uh, but you're like, wow, I, I can't believe you did that. But you, you can't say that. No matter what they did, you have to show the same type of love for them as you would for anybody else. And uh, that's the time that they need you the most is, is when they're in a jam and they're looking for help. And you got to be there for them. That's what love is. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. Thank you for this opportunity once again to speak to our friends on Facebook Live and Whoever's out there tonight, we pray for them. We lift them up before you, God. We ask you to touch them in a special way. Heal their bodies, bring peace and comfort to their minds and their souls. And we thank you, Lord, that for anybody that's sick with COVID-19 or anything else, God, that you would touch them, that you would heal them. And God, we know that you have a cure for this stinking disease, and we know it's coming forth quickly. So we give you the praise and the glory for it. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, something just come to my mind before I close here. I just want to say that, you know, I said that I don't listen to anything about COVID and all of this stuff, especially statistics. I do believe that it's a real disease and it affects people. And, and it, it can kill some people with underlying conditions. So I'm not undermining that in, in any way, shape, or form. I'm just talking about the way that some of the statistics and the information is being used. I know people that have had COVID, and it's nothing to, it's, it's nothing to play with. It's a very serious disease, and uh, none, of, none of them that I know died from it, but they sure went through hell with it. And, and so I'm not undermining the, the disease itself. I'm just saying that you, you can't be inundated with all these numbers and stuff because they're going to just get your, your mind messed up. So... I just wanted to clarify that. But I love you guys. I appreciate you for tuning in. If you thought it was worthwhile, then hit the share button and let somebody else know about it. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.